0: Hello everyone and welcome to the very last episode of We F'd Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And today we are doing a hand to hand combat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're doing
1: Q Star Trek fight music.
0: Okay. I thought you when you said Q Star Trek fight music, I thought you were just like saying Q like the character Q no. Star Trek fight music. No. I was like, I don't know what that the is, but C-U-E. I, I, I know that now. Anyways, we're doing two fights, two final matchups, and then mm-hmm. Cody wants to talk about some Feelings, other stuff. I, I have no idea. <laughs> what? Feelings. I don't know. So what are we talking about today?
1: Well, first we are, uh, well, the first thing is the undercard matchup for okay. the third, the bronze medal winner of our ultimate supreme mega potentate F-repper matchup and okay. that is the runner-up from their first year louis the pious against our runner-up from this year ronald reagan
0: i don't remember louis the pious so far my... well
1: i will give you an explainer because i had to re-listen to the episode uh, from 2022 because i forgot who the runner-up was then so louis the pious was the frankish emperor in the ninth century he was charlemagne's grandson His F up was uh, agreeing to the Treaty of Verdun, which essentially, or, well, his his decision to divvy up his holdings amongst his sons, eventually led to the Treaty of Verdun, because he had ruled this vast territory, basically France, Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, uh, Northern Italy, all of that was like one big empire. And the practice at the time was to Divide the empire up amongst your heirs. Well, Louis was the only heir of his father, so he got the whole thing. Right. Uh, Louis had three so- three sons who survived him. And they all basically immediately went to, went to war with each other after Louis died. Mm-hmm. And it was this division that essentially created... The forerunners of the modern day states of France and Germany, and that middle part between them would be contested between them for over a thousand years, like constant war over this stretch of territory right. or along this stretch of territory. So his decision to divvy up his empire instead of leaving it to one one child created like a thousand years of conflict.
0: Right. I remember.
1: And then Ronald Reagan, as we explored last week, his yeah. F up was
0: this particular f up. Oh this, yeah. This, yeah, The, the particular f up
1: we we discussed. Yeah. Uh, was he had the chance for total nuclear disarmament between the United States and Soviet Union at the Reykjavik summit in 1986, and he declined because he wanted to have his magic space lasers.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm voting Louis the Pious for the same reasons that I I kind of outlined in the last episode in terms of Reagan
1: hypotheticals.
0: Yeah, even though Reagan did not uh did not ultimately agree to nuclear disarmament between himself and Russia, there are there still have not been any uh, nuclear warheads used against another country since then. And although the threat of them is still very real, and uh even if they had both promised that nuclear disarmament there's no telling what would have happened in subsequent presidencies mm. and also in subsequent rulers of russia so that's why i say louis yeah. the pious his action or uh his change in action um created a huge effect as where reagan's inaction thus far knock on wood has not resulted in any additional nuclear weapons being deployed
1: yeah, that I mean if there was a deal agreed it could have fell apart within a few years. I mean the Soviet Union collapsed like 5 years later. Right, so. exactly.
0: And who knows like if we had had Putin, he you know his ass wouldn't have agreed to it.
1: No. I think if if I'm not mistaken Russia's trying to rebuild back up its nuclear arsenal, but I mean it can't even <laughs> can't even fight a war against a much weaker country now, so those are probably that's plans are probably on the shelf. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Louis the Pious, I mean, the the rivalry between France and Germany has its origins in this period, and it doesn't stop until the 20th century. Uh, it takes like thousands and thousands, I mean, over that amount of time, probably millions of deaths over a millennium for this land along the Rhine River, and the land that is pretty modern-day Luxembourg, Belgium, Netherlands, Switzerland, Northern Italy. Like, just these, just constant, 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 constant for a thousand years. And yes, it was custom at the time to divide your lands between your sons. But Louis, having inherited the whole thing himself, saw the benefit of not having to constantly fight in a civil war against your brothers. Mm -hmm. He had the benefit of that. And he had the chance to consolidate his rule more effectively because of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Louis. As much as I despise Ronald Reagan, I'm gonna go with Louis as well.
0: All right. So he's our
1: he's our bronze bronze medal winner.
0: Is he second place?
1: No, this was the th- this is this is for third. This is for third place. Oh, okay. These, these right. are the these are the runners up. I see. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right.
1: And now. For the main event, so to speak. Yep. Our winner from year one, Emperor Maurice. There's our winners from year two, Mark Sykes and Francois-Georges Picot. All right. Emperor Maurice, if you remember, was our second episode, so way back in the day. Uh Uh-huh. Back in ye olden times. Uh, He was the Eastern Roman Emperor... In the was it the sixth? Yeah, the sixth century. Uh, he was fighting the Bulgars, if I remember correctly. And he decided, instead of sending his troops home for the winter, as they were normal, uh, they would normally do, as they were accustomed to. He decided to keep them encamped on the far side of the Danube, where you know wasn't exactly the best uh, living situation. The uh, supply routes weren't great. It was winter. And his troops revolted, and that revolt eventually led to his death and his replacement by Focus Emperor Focus P H O C A S Emperor F O C U S. I know the listeners may not know. And his utter incompetency led to another revolt under Emperor Heraclius. At the same time, the Persians, as they were wont to do for hundreds of years, saw instability in the Roman Empire and invaded. And this kicked off a 20-year-long war between the two uh, that Heraclius eventually won, which led to further instability in Persia and left both empires vulnerable to the new threat coming out of the Arabian Peninsula, the Muslims. Uh, Islam, brand new religion, brand like hot off the presses, spanking new religion. Um, began its unification the Arabian Peninsula, and once that was done, turned northward to these weakened empires to uh, take over and convert them. And they effectively wiped the Persian Empire off the map and greatly weakened uh, the Roman Empire. They lose Egypt, never to get it back. They lose uh, Palestine. They lose much of Anatolia, and they're put on the back on a back foot that they, I mean, yeah, they have their ups and downs, but they never they never recover the Holy Land and Egypt. So, and you know, if he had not camped across the river, maybe Maurice, you know, stays on the throne a while. Persia doesn't fight him. When the Muslims come out of the Arabian Peninsula, they they may find two strong empires uh, that aren't so easy to conquer. So that f up had pretty big consequences. And it's funny that our winner, or our winners from year two, also related to the Middle East.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mark yeah. Sykes and Francois Georges Picot.
0: Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to give a primer on them?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, so everybody really listened to last week, so you might be a little more fresh on them. Uh, they were the negotiators uh, for Britain and France during the First World War who planned the partition of the Middle Eastern territories of the Ottoman Empire uh, once the war was over, and they divided the empire between a British zone of influence and a French zone of influence, instead of giving the Arab a state, which had already been promised to them, in the McMahon-Hussein correspondence, and just drawing, again, as these European colonialists were wont to do, just drawing lines on a map with no regard to what people live there, their culture, their religion, what language they spoke—none of it—and that led to the <laughs> led to the instability that has plagued the Middle East for the past century.
0: So I would say that this this one is tough, and I almost like just threw a like grenade into it and was just like i don't even want to vote because the sykes and picot uh, sorry sykes and Georges picot um decision is kind of like starting out to be sort of an emperor maurice situation where they were just like all we're doing is making a division and it's like really devolving into something like terror truly Horrible. terrible yeah um like maybe on the magnitude of the emperor maurice situation
1: they're just not as much hindsight with it
0: not yet and here's the thing the emperor Maurice F up was orders of magnitude bigger in centuries later so like he lived he was only 20 when this happened he was uh, sorry he wasn't only 20 he was Roman emperor from 582 to 602 so he was he was emperor for 20 years. Mm. And,
1: which is a long time for Roman emperors. Yes. They don't normally last that long, which means he had some degree of staying power and ability to do his job effectively.
0: Right. And this, this was, in orders of magnitude, much larger than, so far, the Sykes-Georges-Picot mm-hmm. situation. However, what Emperor Maurice was directly responsible for was, in terms of his F-up, was smaller than the Georges, sorry, the Sykes-Georges-Picot situation. Mm. And that has turned into a powder keg that has burned much, much brighter in the very short time since it's happened. So all that to say, what Emperor Maurice directly caused in the short period of time that he was alive after this was smaller in comparison to the Mark Sykes and uh, Francois-Georges-Picot F-up. So, because of that, I'm going to vote Mark Sykes and Francois-Georges-Picot.
1: Emperor Maurice, the F-up that he did, yes. Like, the actual F-up, it was very small. It was just like, you know, we're going to camp on this side of the river this year. And his troops didn't like that. The effect of it was essentially to devastate two empires... Because Persia jumped in as soon as Maurice was killed. They're like, oh, well, you know, we had a treaty with him. Uh we're really looking for an excuse. Really, in the end, it's bad timing. And it's really just coincidental timing that the Muslims just happened to rise at the at the time that these empires were weak. Mm-hmm. If it had been like a decade later, probably would not have been as easy. It's just bad timing. And it wasn't it wasn't a nefarious act of, like, oh, I'm in, like, I don't care about this thing. It, 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 yeah, it just wasn't that nefarious aspect to his motivation.
0: Mm-hmm. He was just like, it's cheaper. Yeah, and,
1: and, like, you know, we're in the middle of a campaign. Can we just wait out a little longer? You know?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess it's nefarious for the people he was fighting against, but yeah. Saxon Pico, that colonialist attitude of. Well, the people here—they are what we say they are. Mm-hmm. These people are now Syrian. These people are Iraqi. These people are Jordanian. They say they're Arabs, but we know better, right? And these are the lines that we're drawing a map. Like this is and that also paternalistic attitude of, well, we know what's we know what's best. Right. We know what's best for them, and we see it time and again. We saw it in. With India and Pakistan, we did a whole episode on that. You see it in, well, the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Right. That's completely artificial. Right. Like, so many of the border, like, the borders that are are constructed in, like, you know, South America, in uh, Africa, in Asia, were just drawn by these screwballs in London or Paris or Madrid or Rome or Berlin who had never been to these places, would never go to these places, never met anyone from these places. It was literally just lines on a map.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And just the the intellectual arrogance and naivete to just think, well, these people are just going to just do what we tell them to do because they're inferior is kind of sickening and we're definitely like we're recording this during the biggest conflict of the Middle East in 20 years
0: right yeah
1: or maybe well maybe 10 years got ISIS so 10 years but the fact that like these conflicts happen over and over and over and over and over again it's to the point where we're almost numb to it. It's like, you know, conflict in the Middle East. It's almost a trope at this point. Yeah. Because of this. So I am going to go with Sykes and Picot as our ultimate grand poobah, uh scoutmaster, potentate, supreme, ultra, mega, ridiculous F Reppers.
0: Scoutmaster?
1: I don't know. I was trying to think of positions of authority. That's the first thing I thought of.
0: Okay. Nice.
1: So... Mark Sykes and Francois Joseph Picot, you stand alone with each other <laughs> at the top of the collapsing pyramid that is our podcast.
0: Yikes! All right, well, <sighs> that's the the biggest for upper.
1: So I figured, like, maybe you know, use this little bit of time we have left to, like, because I'm I'm genuinely curious, like, of all the episodes we did, we all the people we did fifty episodes on. I think 52 people mm-hmm. Cause think we, or 53 because we had uh, three episodes of a pair. What story or what incident was intri- was like the most intriguing to you or what was the most what stuck with you the most mm-hmm. or what like what was the biggest thing you learned? I'll tell you what the biggest thing you learned was. You learned that baseball curses are real. That is what you learned. Incorrect. They they are they are absolutely real. Here's
0: why it's not real: the idea that a witch would waste the the effort of a curse on a baseball team.
1: Why can't they be a fan of a baseball team? They can. And want to be, curse the opponent.
0: They absolutely can be the fan of a baseball team, but nobody is fan enough of a baseball team to curse them. Mm, that's incorrect. Okay. So I would say, I was just going back through the episodes that we did. I would say that one of the things that was probably most surprising to me and, well, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say surprising, but sort of like reinforced my attitude about American intervention and in foreign conflicts uh, were the episodes that we did on Americans who either on purpose or inadvertently influenced some pretty hefty shit in other countries like um i was just looking at the chester arthur episode mm. um and, and be like although chester arthur was not directly involved in the stuff that happened in the congo he inadvertently c- paved the way so that it could happen yes and it's disgusting. Like just kind of like being yeah. a pedestrian in your uh, in what you're supposed to be doing on a day to day basis and being like, Oh no, it's fine, like I don't really care. I can be wined and dined and convinced. Of and he doing probably something. never even
1: thought about it for you know, more than a few moments. And he and he, he never would have known the consequences of it because he, he died like not too long after leaving office. Yeah. So yeah, just like this kind of like blind just like, nah, it's fine, whatever. It doesn't really affect us type of thing
0: yeah what about you probably
1: the thing that has stuck with me the most because I don't think I fully understood it until doing this podcast because we did not one not two but three episodes on people and instances where England couldn't help but screw with Ireland and I always knew that there was you know some Some stuff going down between those two. I always knew that the English were really, pretty much always the villains in those situations. Looking into it more, I don't think I fully realized the, almost the, like, it's like brutality through negligence. Mm -hmm. It's like how much of it was just through sheer negligence?
0: Yeah.
1: Especially during the Great Hunger, the, the potato famine. And it was almost like an active negligence, because the government knew that there was a like knew that this was going to be a bad situation. They were well aware of it. Initially, under I, I, which I think it was Robert Peel. I think was the uh, prime minister under uh, under um, under which it happened initially, the first few years of it. And it's like, you know, he tried to do something to help. It wasn't much, but it was something. And mm-hmm. then a new government comes in There's like, oh, no, 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 we cannot spend a single government penny on this. Not a single pound spent on relief of the poor in Ireland. They need to work to live. And how many of them saw it as like, almost like, they felt like it was God's duty To do this to Ireland, to, like, let this happen. And just stand by and just watch it happen. And actively, like, help it along, almost. By throwing these people off their land. By forcing them off the island, essentially. With no other choice. Letting them starve unless they worked. It just... I have a better understanding of why there is this just disdain for the English that the Irish had historically. I know they've taken steps to like kind of like, you know, all right, let's ease relations, let's try to put things in the past, you know. We're we each are in our own separate countries now, mostly. I just never really truly understood the magnitude of it and how long it went on for it's just like you you just feel for those people
0: well the it's a very like white anglo saxon protestant yep. um attitude to have just like do it yourself, fix it yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm-hmm. which we still hear and see a lot of that attitude today so yep. Um, it's not surprising and you can trace it back to the English as like, that's where the attitude came from. Mm -hmm. It's just Britain in general being a giant world superpower and just thinking like, well, we can't do any wrong, anything about it. I mean, clearly
1: we have this massive, we're the most successful country in the world. What we're doing must be correct.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Well, how'd that turn out for you?
0: Yeah. So... Um, it's it's a very like waspy way yeah. to believe and and way to participate and interact with the world and we see the consequences of that all the time.
1: What was the most entertaining story we told? Because we had some episodes that were much more lighthearted in tone. You know, people not dying of starvation, for example.
0: Yeah, those were definitely my favorite episodes. Yeah, as when we just talked. About something goofy. Um, Some lighthearted
1: hearted corporate malfeasance is always great. and I mean, the sports ones are... Those are kind of meant to be a bit of a palate cleanser because, you know, nothing really major happens.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the Civil War mystery of Special Order 191 was interesting. Because I let um, you pick. Yeah, I, I mean, not that it wasn't, like, b- big, but it was fun. Um, Doing my own research on one was pretty cool. Let's see. Learning about how um, Woodrow Wilson was a racist <laughs> piece of crap.
1: Who wanted to marry his cousin. Don't forget that part.
0: Yeah. Um, Another
1: present who was just utterly reprehensible.
0: The Steve Ross episode was pretty cool. That one was fairly entertaining was Viol- that was ET right yep Violet okay. Ferguson that one was entertaining yeah so yeah I, pretty much all of my favorite ones are the ones where people didn't die
1: <laughs> at least directly
0: yeah uh most entertaining now that I think about it was definitely Pope Stephen the sixth um that was a really fun episode that so was th-
1: fun but, uh, especially because we had a guest
0: yeah thanks yeah. thanks again Bree from Pontifex
1: yep Ugh.
0: What about you? What was the most entertaining for you?
1: Probably doing the stuff, the the one where we did the uh, the Heidi game, the NFL game. They got inter- that got cut off by a you know middling TV movie. I think partly because it involved the Raiders and John Madden was there, and Madden had recently died. Talk about my stepdad for a little bit. So yeah, so it's like you know he he, he, he probably watched that game, probably watched it happen. That and the our final effort upper John Green, because again, that's my stepdad and I. We watched that happen live.
0: Yeah, we were
1: just like flabbergasted. Yeah, (laughs) just like what what is happening right now? Um, so that way, yeah, that one because I can think back to it and remember it happening. Um, yeah, which for the most part isn't something we did on the show. So. There's one overarching theme I learned. It's that times change, but people, especially people in positions of power, are just total idiots.
0: <laughs> they can, they definitely can be.
1: Thousands of years later, I think our early, I think the earliest we talked about was <sighs> Pothinus, I think, and the uh, the assassination of Pompey. I think was mm-hmm. our earliest. So yeah, a little over 2,000 years of history and it's like, yeah, people are still, still idiots. So definitely, is there anything else you wanted to say?
0: I just wanted to thank the thus far 1,883 people, uh, who had downloaded the show. That is awesome. And it being our first podcast, that's pretty incredible, for the little over two years that we were on the air, um, so thanks for listening, even if it was only for a couple of minutes. That it really was uh, was pretty satisfying to see our um, to see the amount of downloads that we got. Uh, some metrics: the most downloaded show was ap- actually episode one. Do you remember who episode one was?
1: Kermit Roosevelt Jr.
0: Yes. So that was number the number one most downloaded show, and people were like,
1: "This is awful, and I am not coming back."
0: <laughs> uh, so 111 downloads of that episode, um, and then the next the next most downloaded uh, episode was our intro. So, <laughs> well,
1: I have a confession to make. You said 1,100
0: and how many? 1,883.
1: 1,883. Um, I downloaded uh, all the episodes like a hundred times each, so.
0: That makes no sense and does not add up to 1,883. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Um, but... top, so top five was episode one, uh, our intro. Episode four, which was Woodrow Wilson. Episode 11, which was Louis Mountbatten. And episode uh, two, Emperor Maurice. So those were okay. our top five most uh, downloaded episodes.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the first episodes of a podcast are... Inevitably going to be the ones that are the most downloaded, because that's the ones that people will be like, well, let me try this out. I'll try the first one. If I like them, I'll stick with them.
0: Maybe, or just something that they're the most interested in. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be the first episode, sure. especially if you have a lot of episodes. I'm not scrolling back through that. I'm going to look at what's interesting to me, and then decide if I need to go back all the way to the beginning. So That's fair.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so just like Teresa said, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all of our friends who have supported us through this show. And continue to support us through all of our other shows. Uh, if you want a listing of all those shows, you can go to our Twitter page. I will not call it that other thing. Uh, at AOP Pod Network, uh, you can see the list of all of our podcasts, YouTube shows, any other crap we're doing. Uh, we always got stuff marinating in the old noggin, some ideas. So, uh, so if you love whipped up. Go listen to some of the other stuff. They might pique your interest. Uh, thank you to uh, the history podcasting community who has been very gracious with us uh, in giving advice, support, uh, idea, a few ideas.
0: Distractions.
1: Distractions, yes. Uh, yeah, Most of the ideas I kind of came up with myself. Uh, you did an episodes office. You had an idea. Um, I kind of did the Pope episode so we could have Bree on. <laughs> so thank you, Bree, for being on. Uh, co-host of your your other podcast, Act the Final Girl. She uh, came up with uh, Juliet. She came up with the idea for. I know we did an episode on dub music. Mm-hmm. She gave me that idea because prior to that, I had no friggin' idea what dub music was. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you to her, and just thank you everybody, and but most of all. Thank you Teresa because you edit this you do all the technical stuff with it you do the stuff that I don't know how to do uh, you provide your you know little podcasting nook in your home uh, for <laughs> us to do this in so thank you very much
0: yeah and thanks to Steve who was the early editor to this uh, to this show I forgot he did that yeah <laughs> Yeah, he he edited like the first half of the show until he got editing burnout. So I took over for him. Um, and thanks to Cody, without whom all of the research would not have gotten done, and we wouldn't have had a podcast because there's no freaking way I would have researched all this. Yeah, shit. We
1: would have had one episode.
0: Yeah, <laughs> one entire episode, and I would be like, eh, that's cool." <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a wrap. Um, so.
1: I have two words of wisdom, or two phrases of wisdom to you that I will leave you with. Live long and prosper, and may the force be with you.
0: Please be sure to check out our other projects, including Attack of the Final Girls, a horror movie podcast with my lovely co-host Juliet.
1: Imperfect Men, yet another Rexy pod, writing all the Founding Fathers, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe.
0: The Drunken Pawn, a YouTube channel where we play board games and drink craft beer.
1: Hard Ticket to Sedaris, a movie podcast covering the action films of the late Andy Sedaris.
0: For all of our projects, visit our Twitter at AOP Pod Network. I'm Teresa.
1: And I'm Cody. And this is We FM. Have Top.